hey, I'm, I'm excited to be in God's house. And Dr. Chavez and the whole band and team, wow, what a great job. Hugo, you rocked it like always, brother. Woo! This morning, I want to begin by telling you a story. In 2013, it was a Father's Day weekend. My wife wanted to treat me with something special, so she took me down to Belks down at the Mall of Georgia. And she knew that the Falcons were going to be down there, and it was their first grill-off competition. And so we went, and we got up early, and it was a, I believe it was a Saturday morning or Friday morning. I don't remember which day it was, but we got up early. We went down there, and I'm thinking, what in the world are we doing? This is early. It's Father's Day weekend. Shouldn't I be able to sleep in? But anyway, I loved going. And we're walking around, and they have these, these little tickets that they give you to give away door prizes. And, and they had some $25 gift cards. And my wife got so excited. Oh, honey, we might win a gift card. You know how, how excited we are to save money. So uh, the kids were walking around, and we were looking at the different things, doing the different activities. Buddy was seven years old then. <laughs> You know, seven years old. And we're walking around doing the activities. It came time for the drawing. So I got to take the tickets, and I went over to the stage. And I'm standing there, and I got the ticket in my hand, and they're calling out these numbers. I'm going, yeah, I don't know if I'll win a thing. So they began to call out the numbers, Tom. And, 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 and I began to look, and nope, I didn't win. Nope, I didn't win. They gave out this gift certificate and this gift card. I didn't win. I didn't win. So they came down to the last prize. And it was a jersey. And uh, they reached in there and I'm going, yeah, what, what in the world would I do with a jersey? That's not the gift card my wife wanted. But I stayed and they called out my number. And I'm like, uh, that's me. <laughs> and I walked up and they handed me this jersey that I have here in my hands. I'm like, man, that's cool. I got a real NFL Falcons jersey. When they handed it to me, I turned around and a guy said, I'll give you $100 for it. I said, no, Mike. So then as I continued to walk away with it in my hand, you know what he said, Ms. Lenora? I'll give you $250 for it. You know what I said? Obviously I said no, it's in my hand. Come on, y'all should have known that. I said no, because I got this for my son. Apparently, when you take a red piece of cloth and put Witherspoon on the back of it in 2013 and let him sign his name to it, it's got some value and it means something. His name took something that meant nothing and made it valuable. You know, there are other names that we can throw out there and you'll immediately say, that name's got value. If they walk through the door right now, let's say Kirby Smart walked through the door right now, all of you would be turning around going, Lord, the Holy Spirit just showed up. <laughs> Come on now, Jackie. You know, you, you agree with me. Say amen. You know, there's a lot of people that could walk through that door and just because of their name, we'd go, wow, they're here. Well, let me tell you who showed up this morning. That's the Holy Spirit and God Himself. That's the greatest name, the greater name that's ever been. A, a name on the back of a jersey? Yeah, that's important. That's pretty cool. But let me tell you something. There's a name above all names. It's above Witherspoon. It's, it's above Brady. It's above Buddy Self, who's going to probably be giving out jerseys one day. It is a name that is above every name, and that's the name of Jesus. And today... What we know about God is the most important thing about us. 
We come to Exodus chapter 20 today. We've been walking through Exodus and we've been looking at this journey that the children of Israel have been on to find out how to live and how to really find life. And we can see in this journey how they've struggled. They've dropped, they've complained. God's told them to get ready for what's about to happen in chapter 20 and chapter 19 as we looked at last week. And I want us to look at the first couple of verses, especially number two, and just lean into that real hard today because what is in a name? Does a name really matter? Yes, it does. As a matter of fact, we will find after God says what He does in verse 2, we're going to jump down to verse 19 and 20 and see what the people understood. Verse 1 of chapter 20 of Exodus Then God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. When it comes to the Ten Commandments, that is the most important part of the entire chapter, is what God says in verse number 2. After God says this and God gives the Ten Commandments, we come down to verse 18. All the people perceived the thunder and lightning flashes and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood at a distance. Their understanding of God was one that I should run away and stay away from. Then they said to Moses, Speak Uh, Speak to us yourself and we will listen, but let not God speak to us or we will die. Look at their perspective of God at this moment. After He has spoken, He's given these Ten Commandments, they're saying, Moses, you talk to us. Please don't let God talk to us because we're going to die. They were scared of Him. Their perception of who He was, they had missed the mark. Verse 20, Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid, for God has come in order to test you, and in order that the fear of Him may remain with you so that you may not sin. So when we look at verse number 2, we can truly understand that God reveals Himself as a foundation before He even reveals the Ten Commandments and the law. And we must understand who He is to truly understand what He has said. So as we peer into the name of God, I want you to know that God has over 80 names from Genesis to Revelation. Why does God have so many names? Because God is so big and one name can't contain all of it. 80 different names, usually revealed in a time when someone had a crisis or they had an issue or something going on in your life. Somebody today needs one of the names of God in their life. Because you're in the middle of a crisis, you're in the middle of a situation, there's something going on and you need to know a little bit more about God's character. So today we're going to get into this verse number 2 and we're going to see how God is revealed right here in verse number 2. What I love is verse number 2 starts like this. I am the Lord. Now, in some translations in the New American Standard, the word Lord there is a capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. It is there for a reason, all capitals. It is capitalized because that is referring to a specific name of God throughout the Scripture. This goes all the way back to Exodus chapter 3 is where this name is introduced And it is explained in Exodus chapter 3, Moses is on this same mountain and he's walking around and he sees a contradiction. He sees a bush that is green that keeps burning and it doesn't burn up. 
And he goes over to it and begins to have a conversation. The voice of God comes out of it. And Moses argues with God. Can I tell you, it's never a good idea to argue with God. He's going to win the argument every single time. But Moses uh, is in this conversation with God. And God is telling him to go free my people. He says that he understands the slavery they're in. And Moses has all these excuses. And Moses finally asks and says, Well, who in the world am I going to tell them that sent this old shepherd that knows nothing, that's just a nobody, who am I going to tell them sent me to even do this? That's Clyde's paraphrase, by the way. That's a little loose translation. And God said, I am that I am has sent you. When we look at that in Hebrew, it is four consonants. It is four letters, Y-H-W-H. See, the first thing of God revealing Himself for you to write down is He is the Lord. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. He is the Lord. Y-H-W-H. This isn't just simply meaning that He's in charge. It's, it's meaning that He's the man. He is Yahweh Himself. This is the only time He says, My name is. And it encompasses all things. He says, I am that I am. Moses used the name of God in the Old Testament, uh, Yahweh, several times. But did you know that in the Old Testament, this particular name for God is used 6,826 times just in the Old Testament? Y-H-W-H, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. When you see that, it's significant. It is Him Himself telling us to pay attention. So when we see God in verse 2 saying, I am the Lord, He's not just simply saying, I am the Lord of your life, I'm in control. He's saying, I am capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. The sacred name of God. The Jewish people were so afraid to mispronounce the name, they'd skip over it. They actually added some, some vowels to that name, and they would use a different name called Adonai. When they would come across it to read it, it they'd say Adonai, so that the scribes would know what to write down. And eventually, those, those uh, vowels that was added in came to be understood as pronouncing it as Yahweh today. But the original translation, the original pronunciation, it's been lost. But I can tell you today that Yahweh Himself, there is no other God, there is no other way around it. There, this is not Allah. This isn't the Jehovah Witnesses God. This is the God, Yahweh, Y-H-W-H, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. The one and only God. He is saying, I am the Lord. I am the one. Now, check this out. God tells Moses who he is that, that was sending him, and he went and had to tell the people, I am that I am sent me. And now here we are at the mountain, and God is saying it again. See, I am that I am. But let's not stop there because he says a lot more. I am the Lord your God. There's another name. God here is Elohim. The first time we find Elohim is actually in Genesis. Genesis chapter 1 verse 1, it says, In the beginning Elohim created the heavens and the earth. Now, Elohim being 
almost a generic term for God, actually in Scripture has something very specific I want you to grab hold of. Elohim is actually plural, but also singular at the very same time, the way it's used in Scripture. Every time it's used in the Old Testament when it's referring to Yahweh, it's plural and singular at the same time. That's pretty neat, isn't it? So, in the beginning, Elohim, the plural but singular God, created the heavens and the earth. Isn't this interesting? So let's think about that for a second. How can God be singular but yet plural? Because God said, let us make man in our own image. And there is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The three in what? One. We sang about that today. The Father, the Spirit, the Son, the three in one. Elohim points directly to that, and it's found in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Elohim. Now notice, God is saying, I am, I am Yahweh, your Elohim. That is a foundation right there. If we try to put anything else upon, uh, take anything that we believe or we think about, particularly the Ten Commandments that He's going to be given, and put it on top of anything except for Yahweh, the Elohim, it becomes nothing of any authority. So God is laying down a great foundation right here in verse number 2. What I love is that God... In Genesis, we find is eternal. It says, In the beginning, Elohim created. The earth was formless and void. And then Elohim spoke into existence these things. And time began. So if time began because of Elohim, that means that Elohim is outside of what? Time. It means He's eternal. We also can see that he's out time outside of space because he was there when there was nothing but formless and void. And where is God right now? He is in heaven, right? We read in Scripture, God of heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then we also know that God is where? He's right here with us. He's outside of, of space, but He's also inside of space. He's outside of time, but yet He's also inside of time. Now, that's a God to be worshipped, ladies and gentlemen. That's a God to be lifted up. That is a name to be praised, one that can do that. That's not just simply a God that we would hang on the wall or something that, that might bring about a religion. This is a God of the universe that created all things. So He is to be praised and lifted up. Transcendent, outside of time, but He's also omnipresent inside of all of it. But you know what He wants? He wants us to know Him. He wants us to be aware of who He is. Look, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. He wants to set the captives free. He is concerned. He is... He loves them so much, He sets the captive free. These people were, all they knew was slavery. They grew up only knowing one way of life, that was being a slave. They only knew one way to wake up, that was to do whatever the Master said. They only understood life in the context of slavery in Egypt. But in chapter 3, we find that God Himself 
He is concerned. He says, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I have given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters, for I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring to bring them up from the land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey. Let me tell you something. You may be under the slavery of something today. You may be under the slavery of addiction. You may be under the slavery of, of sin, just flat out sin. But God is gonna, has come down for you to be set free. He wants His people to be set free from slavery. He says in verse 2, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. He's making it very clear. Moses did not do this. You did not do this. He says, I have brought you out of slavery, out of the land of Egypt. Not only did he break the chains, but he brought them out of it and put them in a brand new place. Had a new place for them. So, one of my favorite words in verse 2 is the word your. Because he says, for I am the Lord your God. You know what he's saying? He's saying he wants to be personal. He wants and he desires to be personal in our life. He wants to not simply be something from a distance. He wants to be engaged in every area of our life. He wants that relationship. Can I tell you right now, there's a big difference between religion and relationship. Relationship does not equal religion. And religion does not equal relationship. Listen, he feels, he creates, he talks, he interacts. He wants to be personal with us. Look at at verse 9. Then God spoke all these words. Why did God even have to speak? In the very beginning, God said, let there be light, and there was light. Why couldn't God just say, okay, be free, be in the promised land, all the bad guys are gone. God could have just done that. But no, He spoke to His people because He wanted to be personal in their life. He wanted that connection, that specialness. God wants to be personal in your life. He is Yahweh the Elohim, the one that is above all others, who can transcend your circumstances and your Egyptian slavery. Whatever's going on in your life, He can transcend all of that. See, to talk about Him as energy or just as a concept, or just as a force, or a theory, or can I even say, as the big guy, is to degrade him from whom he truly is. To address him as anything, but Yahweh, the Elohim, is to address the wrong God. He is a God who is holy. He is a God who cares about you and your life. He wants to be personal in your life. See, here we can see in this journey some of the same things that happen in Genesis chapters 1 and 2. Particularly in chapter 2 and 3. You know what it was? God showed up. God appeared. He, God appeared to Adam. God gave Adam a job. God was walking in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve together. God appeared and was with them. If God did not want to be personal, He would never have shown up. He didn't have to keep that appointment, but He did. Because He wants us to understand. He wants to be in our life each and every day. He wants that personal relationship with us. 
He spoke to Adam and Eve. He had conversations with them. We see he's speaking here. He wants to have conversation. You can say, well, pastor, this isn't the Old Testament. God doesn't speak to me. Yes, he does. He wants to speak to you. He desires to speak to you. Are you listening? Or are all the other things in your life drowning out his voice? God provided for Adam and Eve, and He's provided for the children of Israel. And He wants to provide for you because He wants to be personal in your life. He saw the suffering and the need of these people, and He wanted to deliver them and give them something better. Genesis chapter 2, verse 4 is the very first time you come across this idea of Yahweh Elohim. He's only referred to as Elohim in chapter 1, the God. God created, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God created the stars also. It's always Elohim in chapter 1, but when you get to chapter 2, verse 4, it turns to Yahweh Elohim, the Lord God. Why is it capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, God? Because Yahweh God, as grand and as great as He is, desires to interact with His people. That's where we begin to see the personal interaction. So, the Lord your God. It is not enough to simply know about God. We have to know God. Especially when things are tough. Knowing about Him is one thing, but really knowing Him will make all the difference in the world. The Bible is the book where we can get to know God better and His character. Why are there over 80 names of God? So we can understand His character better. So we can get to know Him a little bit better. Toby Mack said, knowing the Bible is one thing, but knowing the author is another. Let me tell you, the author of this book wants to know you and I. The author of this book wants to be personally involved in our life. The author of this book wants you to call Him Yahweh Elohim, the Lord God, because He is the all-powerful one, the Almighty One that said, and, and let there be stars also, and hung stars. And if you've never, ever looked at the massive creation in the universe you're missing the massiveness of our God there are so many things out there that blows our mind we can't comprehend but isn't God just that way he is beyond our comprehension if he wasn't would he be even worthy of worship so when we look at when we really look at how God reveals Himself, and I believe that's one of, the, one of the purposes of the Ten Commandments of this chapter and the laws to follow, is it is to reveal more about who God is and who we are. That's one of the purposes. As you read chapter 20 and 21 and 22 and you read these laws, God is revealing things about Himself and about the people at the same time. But He's also doing a couple of other things. He's also restraining the people and he's, de, he's laying down the foundation to redeem His people. And we're going to talk about that more next week as we get into the Old Testament of what are we going to do with the Ten Commandments. But let's talk about His design just for a moment. His design, God's design, is to bring divine blessings. This whole thing of this journey that these people have been on, they have been in the midst of some of the worst times of their life, some of the most amazing times of God working, but God has a divine plan for them of blessing. Don't believe me? Let's look at verse 24. 
He is saying to them, You shall make an altar of earth for me, and you shall sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and your peace offerings, your sheep and your oxen. He's given them some direction about making an altar, uh, not, not trying to, to make it something of themselves and using tools to make it pretty. Just make the altar and sacrifice on it. And then he says this, In every place where I cause my name to be remembered. Let me read that again. Somebody may not have heard that. In every place where I cause my name to be remembered. Yahweh Elohim. In every place, and it's right here today, it's right here in this room, this day God has reminded us of this, in every place where I cause my name to be remembered. And you know, in Hebrew, what every place means? Every place. It means Chicopee Baptist Church. It means your house. It means your car. It means where you work. Every place where His name is remembered. Look at this. I will come to you and bless you. I will come to you and bless you. God had a plan for the children of Israel and it was the promised land. Now, there's a whole bunch of them that missed it. Because they decided their way was better than God's way. But it did not negate the fact that God had a great plan for them and He wanted to bless them and give them a divine blessing. The Lord God is all you need even when you don't know what you need. The Lord God is all you need. And today, as we just see God at work here, I want you to understand that God has already done a great work in your life. Well, pastor, what has he done? He, ain't, he don't have a divine plan for me. Yes, he does. Oh, but he does. If God did not have a divine plan for you, a divine blessing, he would not have said in John to the disciples, I go away to prepare a place for you. If it wasn't that he had a divine blessing for you, Jesus would have said, nope, I ain't going down there for those fools. Jesus said, they ain't worth it. But He didn't. It's because God loved us and God had a divine plan for each of us to bless us. And particularly with a the, with the relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the main thing. God left heaven and came to earth. Understand that what's going on right here is an absolute parallel reflection of what Jesus did when He came down from heaven to dwell among us so that He could give to us the direction of heaven, and to redeem us. So God's design is to bring a divine blessing for each and every one of us. And it begins with one person and one alone. That is Jesus. Jesus Christ is the divine blessing He has for each of us. Well, pastor, it sure would be nice if He had divine blessed me a new car. Or divine bless me a new house. Or divine bless me with a new job. Let me tell you. If God isn't all you need, you won't be happy with any of the other blessings that He brings you. So until God Himself is the divine blessing that He has planned for you and He is that blessing for you, all these other things are never going to make you happy. You're going to be just like the children of Israel. You're going to get you a little manna and you're going to go, I'm tired of manna. Why can't I have some meat? Now I'm throwing up, I got so much meat. Now I'm thirsty. Wah, 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 wah. But when God is at the center and He is Yahweh Elohim, 
then God will bless us and we can walk in the middle of whatever difficulty we have. So today I implore you to seek Christ in everything. Let Him be. Let Him be Yahweh Elohim, the Lord God of your life. So what must we do? What are we going to do with this? Well, we're going to keep it really simple because I am absolutely convinced today God has worked in everyone's life in this room and those who are listening and watching today. God has done something in your life. He has worked in some way and sometimes we get so caught up in all the stuff we forget what God has already done. So I want to remind you today to answer the question simply, what has God already done for me? See, God is a God who is personally involved in your life. He wants to free you from things. He wants to bless you with things. But we must seek Him in all things. We must be gracious. I don't know who this is for. And it may make somebody mad and you may never want to talk to me again. But the Lord laid something on my heart this morning and impressed upon me that I need to ask you a question. How does your Facebook reflect Him? How does your Instagram reflect Jesus? How does your work on social media reflect your relationship with God? Unfortunately, some profiles, it's all about me. Me, myself, and I. The Holy Trinity of me, myself, and I. But God has given us a platform to do something with it. We need to proclaim Him and reflect Him in every area of our life and let Him take control, for He is Yahweh the Elohim. So today, I don't know who's that for. I hope you don't get mad at me. I just felt impressed by the Holy Spirit this morning while I was getting ready. This is a question I must ask you. How are you reflecting Him in what you're posting and what you're saying? What is the impression? If I, if I was to pull up your stuff right now and I begin to look through it and I begin to look through your messages, what would it say about your relationship between you and God? It's a hard-hitting question. Many of you are probably thinking. Some of you are going, mine's got Bible verses all over, it, all over it. I praise God every day. Praise the Lord for people like you. We need more of you out there instead of all the junk we're seeing in the media and, and on our internet and, and on Facebook. And all. We need to be lifting God up more than ever. Today is a day that God needs to be God and He needs to be Lord. Dr. Chavez, if, if you'd make your way to the piano, please. In just a moment, we're going to have a time when you can reflect and respond to today's message. But over the next seven days, I'd like for you to take this challenge. Each and every day that you pray, I want you to begin your time and really reflect on who He is. Who He is. Because listen... The Bible begins with who He is. In the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. It explains that our God in the very beginning is outside of time, space, matter. But yet, we don't focus enough time on just praising Him for who He is. 
So that's one thing we need to do over the next seven days is let's focus our prayer time at the very beginning of talking about who He is. This morning, I don't know how this message may have landed with you. I don't know how the Holy Spirit has spoken with you. But I can tell you today, until Yahweh, the Yahweh, Elohim, is Yahweh of your life, you will not have life abundantly. You need Jesus. He left heaven. He came to earth to live and to die for you and I to set us free from the slavery of sin. We no longer have to live under the chains. We can be set free. Are you free today? If you are, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord that you've been set free through the blood of Christ. But now, how are you fleshing that out around you with others? What are you doing with that gift that God has given to you? This morning as we stand, our deacons are going to come down here and if you need to pray, you come down here with them. Just as soon as I start praying, you step out. If you need to pray this morning, if you need to make a commitment in any way, if you need someone to just stand with you while you pray, they're going to be right here. So as soon as I begin to pray, you come forward. Father, this morning, we praise You for being God. You are the one whose name is above every name. Lord, without You, we would be nothing. Without You, we could do nothing. But Father, even if You did nothing else in my life, You are still the Lord God of my life. You are the one that we lift up today. Lord, this week I have been privy to conversations of people hurting in situations that seem impossible. God, my heart breaks for people who are suffering. And Lord, I can't fix it. I can't change the way people think. I can't change their attitudes. I can't change their situations that they're going through. But God, I know that you can. Why? Because you've declared yourself Yahweh, Elohim. So Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, we come to you today and lay our hearts before you to do a work in us like never before. For the one today that does not have a relationship with you, Lord, it's as simple as them just admitting that they've made a mistake, they have sinned, and ask you to forgive them and take over their life. So right now, Lord, may they do that. Father, we thank you for being our God, for being our Yahweh Elohim. Thank you for being the foundation for the law that leads to salvation. Thank you for being our Yahweh Elohim. 
And it's in Jesus' name I pray and all God's people said, Amen, Amen.